Well, hello. I am excited uh, to have the opportunity to come be with you this morning and share with you um, God's Word. Before I do that, I just wanted to say, as many of you know, I am in the process, going through the process of working towards ordination so that I can be ordained to be a pastor. And Lemon Cove Community Church is my sponsoring church. You're the ones who are sponsoring me and supporting me. And I just wanted to, um, to update you, tell you that I recently passed my ordination exams and there's some other milestones that are coming up. So, <laughs> thank you. So everything's going really well, and I just wanted to thank you for all of the support that you've shown to me and to my family, and uh, especially uh, the way that you've been praying for us, and I just want to tell you I appreciate that and appreciate your continued prayers. I want to talk to you today about the way that we can be confident in prayer. We will never be a people of prayer unless we can be confident when we come before God, and unless we are confident for the right reasons. And so I want to encourage you today that we can be confident when we come before God because God is our loving Father who wants us to come before him in prayer and who has provided for us a way. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us when we could not have known you on our own. Father, we come before you today with burdens, with anxieties, with cares, but we pray during this time that you would open our minds and that you would fill our hearts with your truth. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The passage that we're looking at today really has four parts. The first, we have the story, the background that sets everything up, and then we have the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And then there are two parables. The first is a parable that talks about us, how we should be persistent in prayer. And then the second is a parable that talks about God, how God wants to hear our prayer and wants to answer our prayer. And this morning, I want to focus just on the first part, the first two verses of the passage, really, because I think that those really hold the key to the entire passage. And there are three points that I think that we should uh, glean from this passage as we read it this morning. The first is that prayer is important and prayer is powerful. The second is that we need to be taught how to pray. And the third is that God has provided a way for us to come to him in prayer. Jesus lived a life that was committed to prayer. You'll recall that Jesus often withdrew from the activities of his earthly ministry in order to turn to his father in prayer. Luke, in his gospel, really emphasizes this point. You probably remember the scene where Jesus is in the garden before his arrest and trial and crucifixion, and he's praying to the father with his disciples. And it's Luke who tells us that Jesus' prayers were so intense and so fervent that he was sweating drops of blood. Prayer was important and crucial to Jesus during his earthly ministry. And Jesus' prayers were powerful. Think about those times in the gospel story where Jesus is revealed in his glory for who he really is. Think about the baptism. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and he comes up out of the water. And Luke says that it was while Jesus was praying that the heavens were opened 
the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove, and the voice of the Father from heaven came and said, this is my beloved Son. Or think about after the feeding of the 5,000, Luke says it was while Jesus was praying that his disciples came to him, and he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter, by the power of the Holy Spirit, said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Or think about the transfiguration. Jesus takes Peter and James and John up on the mountain to pray, and Luke tells us that it was while Jesus was praying that his appearance was changed, his clothes became dazzling white, Moses and Elijah appeared with him, and the voice of the Father said, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. So Luke really wants to stress that it is that while Jesus is praying, that Jesus is revealed in power and in glory. And I think there's an important lesson here for us. Do you want to see Jesus revealed in your life? Do you want to behold Christ's glory? Then pray, and pray with Christ. Have you ever thought about the fact that we are given a prayer that has passed from the very lips of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ? Isn't that amazing? You know, praying in unison is a powerful thing, isn't it? We pray in unison with our confession and today with our assurance as well. A lot of the songs we sing uh, when we sing together are really prayers that we sing uh, together in unison. In fact, if you notice the Lord's Prayer, the word I never appears in the Lord's Prayer, does it? It's we and our. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying in unison with one another. And more than that, these are the words that God himself prayed in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying in unison with God himself. Wow, what a privilege. So Jesus, prayer is an important part of Jesus' life. Jesus retreats often to pray, and those prayers are powerful. Now, can you imagine being one of the disciples and listening to Jesus pray? Maybe you've known someone in your life who's a powerful person of prayer. Maybe you've known someone where when you hear them pray, there's just such a, a reverence and a dignity, a fear of the Lord, a, 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 a sweet and joyful and simple faith that you just feel when you hear them pray as though you're transported with them to the very throne room of God. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? But it's also an intimidating thing, isn't it, sometimes, uh, to be with someone when they pray like that. Can you imagine being the disciples and listening to God himself, Jesus Christ, pray to the Father? It must have been an amazing experience, but it also must have been an intimidating experience. And in fact, what is the disciples' reaction? They say, we are inadequate. Lord, teach us to pray. They're attracted to what they hear Jesus doing, but they also realize their own shortcomings and their own inadequacies. And notice that uh, Jesus doesn't correct them. Jesus doesn't say, oh, no, you don't need to learn how to pray. You know, you know whatever you want to do, God knows your heart, your intentions, it's fine. Or uh, Jesus doesn't say to them, you know what, why don't you just come up with your own method and see how it works, <laughs> right? Jesus says, no, I will teach you to pray. And this is really the second point. We need to be taught to pray. And the reason that we need to be taught to pray is because God is holy and we are not. We cannot approach a holy God 
of ourselves. Think about Psalm uh, 29 here. Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness, and on and on. How could we approach a God like that? How could we worship a God like that? We have nothing to offer when it comes to a God that is holy and who is enthroned in infinite majesty. I think here of Isaiah 64. All of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Do you know this in this passage? All of our righteous deeds, the best things we have to offer, when we're doing it right, it is like filthy garments compared to the infinite majesty of a holy God. This is why Jesus says in John 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this doesn't mean literally nothing. Those who dwell apart from Christ can still, you know, for example, uh, donate money to the food pantry or help their neighbor or, or, or whatever. But those who are apart from Christ cannot please God. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing to approach a God in infinite holiness. We can do nothing of eternal value. I think one of the best illustrations of this comes in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You can turn there with me if you want. This is the passage where uh, David is collecting the materials, the offerings to build the temple for God. And as he collects all of the gold and all of the, uh, the beautiful and fine materials, he offers a prayer, which begins here in verse 10. Therefore, this is 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly and said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Do you hear in this prayer the awesome power and might of God? And what is David's response? Look at verse 14. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer willingly to you? For all things come from you, and only of your own have we given you anything. For we are strangers before you and so sojourners. O Lord our God, all of the abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. Don't you like that? We have nothing to offer God unless God first gives it to us. We cannot approach a holy and mighty God in prayer unless God prepares for us a way. 
And I would encourage you to search your hearts today. Is there some place of pride in your hearts that causes you to think that you could approach God by your own creativity or your own ingenuity or your own effort? Or maybe there's a, there's a little bit of arrogance where you think, you know, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care how you approach him because your intentions are good. The good news of the gospel is this, that God is holy. God is the sum of all goodness. He dwells in infinite light in whom there is no shadow of darkness at all, and we are not. Our intentions are not good enough. Our creativity and ingenuity and efforts are not sufficient. In fact, not only do we not know how to pray, we don't even know how to want to pray in a way that would glorify God, unless God first gives, gives that to us. But, but, God, in his infinite kindness, has given us a way. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing, but we don't have to live apart from Christ, do we? Think about the disciples. Why was it that the disciples even asked to be taught to pray? It was because Jesus was right there with them, right? Even the desire to learn to pray is a response to God's gracious gift in sending Jesus Christ to dwell among us. So God provides a way for us to pray. The, Jesus says to the disciples, yes. I will teach you to pray. And this is the third point and really the most important point from this passage, that God has provided that way. Our, our next hymn is, is um, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And then I love this line, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It is a privilege, isn't it? And it is a privilege we have because God has chosen to give us the gift of approaching him in prayer. Jesus teaches the, the disciples. Jesus gives the disciples what they need. He says, when you pray, say this. He gives them the words to say. And, and, and furthermore, he gives them words that are a pattern that they can use when they're, uh, when they're praying in their own words as well. When you pray, say this. Jesus gives them what they need and, of course, gives us what we need as well. And the prayer is so simple, isn't it? Father, may your name be glorified. May your rule over life begin now. Give us what we need each day. Forgive us our sin. Keep us out of temptation. It's so simple. And that simplicity is what Luke is wanting to emphasize in his version of this prayer. If you have a child, and your child comes running up to you and says, you know, Daddy, I'm thirsty, or Daddy, will you come play with me, or Daddy, I'm scared, which of you will say, you know, well, kiddo, you're gonna have to do better than that. You know, be a little bit more eloquent, give me a little bit more detail, what are you scared of, you know, uh, why are you scared, can't you handle it on your own, come on. Of course not, that's absurd. You reach down and you pick that child up in your arms and you say, everything's okay now. What are you scared of? And Luke wants to emphasize that we can approach God like children. We can approach God in all of our inadequacy, in all of our simplicity, 
and God wants to hear us. I think that the most important word in this entire prayer is the very first word, Father, because that word expresses God's gracious love for us and his desire to draw us to himself and his desire for us to come before him in prayer. You know, we know that human fathers aren't always the best picture of God, are they? Did you see what uh, Jesus says in verse 13? In verse 13, Jesus is talking about good human fathers who give good gifts to their children. And he says that they are evil. Even the best human fathers fall far short of the way in which God is our loving father. Maybe you've known fathers in your life who are wonderful fathers. Or maybe you've known fathers who are terrible fathers. Or maybe you've known fathers who are somewhere in between. But God is a father in a way that surpasses even the best and even the greatest of human fathers. God has revealed himself as the father of his people from the beginning. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses is going to the Pharaoh to, uh, to lead God's people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And God tells Moses, um, let me grab the passage. God tells Moses how to introduce God to the Pharaoh. And he says, um, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. God is the father of his people. Even when God's, God's people reject him, even when God's people turn away from him, God remains their father. Deuteronomy 32. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is he not your father who created you, who made you and established you? Over and over again, God reveals himself as the loving father to those he has chosen as his children. One of my favorite verses in this respect is Psalm 103.13. As a father has compassion on his children, so does the Lord have compassion on those who fear him. God is our father. God wants us to approach him in prayer with that word, father. Do you ever feel that God is uninterested in your prayers? Perhaps it's easy for you to recognize um, that you need to be taught to pray because perhaps you're very aware of your own inadequacies before a righteous and a holy God. Maybe there's even a, a corner of your heart where sometimes there's hopelessness and despair. How could God love me? How could God want to listen to me? Or maybe, um, maybe you feel like your prayers have become routine because you lack the conviction that comes from knowing that God is your father and God wants you to come before him in prayer. Look at verse 13 with me. If you then who are evil know how to give, give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you feel like God is uninterested in your prayers, 
If you feel like you are not good enough to come before God, if you feel like your concerns are petty or trifling before the God who created the heavens and the earth, if you feel that you lack the conviction that God is there for you, then verse 13, that phrase, how much more is written for you? How much more does God want to listen to what you have to say? Does God want to see you come before him as his child? I want to encourage you today to pray. I want to encourage you to pray regularly. Maybe you're the sort of person who struggles to maintain a discipline of regular prayer. In that case, I would encourage you to, uh, this week to pray the Lord's Prayer every day this week. And we, uh, we have documents from the early church that are instruction manuals for, for people's spiritual life. And, uh, and the most famous of them instructs Christians to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. This, is, this, was the, uh, this was the idea in the early church. And I would encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer every day this week. What a, what a great way to begin to have a habit of coming before your Heavenly Father. Or maybe you're a person who already has a disciplined life of prayer. In that case, I would encourage you to add the Lord's Prayer to your daily habit this week. How neat would it be if every day this week you prayed, Lord, thank you for teaching me to pray, and then you prayed the very words that he gave us. Or maybe you already pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. You know, the Lord's Prayer is not the only prayer that God has given us, is it? There's a whole book of them, namely the Psalms. And I don't know if you ever pray the Psalms. We've done that today. Our, our confession of, of, uh, of faith, was for, or our confession of sin, was from Psalm 25. And, uh, Lord from sorrows deep I call is from Psalm 42, I think. Um, but it's based on a psalm as well. And you could, each day this week, pick a different psalm, and you could read through those words, and you could make them your own, make them a prayer as you read them. Thank you, God, for teaching us how to pray. Thank you, God, for providing a way. Now, I also want to remind you that the desire to pray is itself a gift from God. So this is not get yourself psyched up and pray harder or something like this. This is, Lord, teach me to have a desire to come to you and meet you in prayer. This is, Lord, by the grace of your Spirit, give me a heart that is devoted to prayer. Give me a heart that desires to come before my Father. I know that you want to hear me. God, give me the desire to respond to your grace in that way. I want to encourage you today with the confidence that comes from knowing that God is our Heavenly Father who desires to hear us pray desires us to come to him, and more than that, has given us a way through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you have given us a way to come to you. God, you are the creator, you are the sustainer, you are the sovereign Lord of all the universe, and yet you have revealed yourself as our Father. And God, we are so grateful for that. We confess that we cannot come before you of our own accord. We confess that we have nothing to offer you, but we thank you that you have given us a way. We thank you that you have given us your Son and your Spirit, 
that we might become before you as your children. And so, God, give us a heart that desires communion with you. Give us a glimpse of your love for us and give us the power to respond to that glimpse in faith. Give us the power to come to you and say, Father, may your name be glorified. Father, may your kingdom come. Give us each day our needs for that day. Forgive our sins and please keep us from temptation. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.